section twenty of a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox .org. a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one by george lilly craik chapter three part two the brute of Leomon laomon or as he is also called laomond for the old character represented in this instance by our modern y is really only a guttural and by no means either a j or a z by which it is sometimes rendered tells us himself that he was a priest and that he resided at Ernley, near radstone or redstone which appears to have been what is now called arley regis or lower arley on the western bank of the severn in worcestershire he seems to say that he was employed in the services of the church at that place there he bach rada there he book read and the only additional information that he gives us respecting himself is that his father's name was leovenath or luca as it is given in the later of the two texts his brute or chronicle of britain from the arrival of brutus to the death of king cadwallader in a d six eighty nine is in the main though with many additions a translation of the french brute d'angleterre of ways which is itself as has been stated above a translation also with considerable additions from other sources of geoffrey of monmouth's latin historia Britonum, which again professes and probably with truth to be translated from a welsh or breton original so that the genealogy of the four versions or forms of the narrative is first a celtic original believed to be now lost secondly the latin of geoffrey of monmouth thirdly the french of wace fourthly the english of laomon the celtic or british version is of unknown date the latin is of the earlier the french of the latter half of the twelfth century and that of laomon would appear to have been completed in the first years of the thirteenth we shall encounter a second english translation from wace's french before the middle of the fourteenth the existence of laomon's chronicle had long been known but it had attracted very little attention till comparatively recent times it is merely mentioned even by wharton and terwitt the latter only remarking in his essay on the language and versification of chaucer that though the greatest part of this work of laomon resembles the old saxon poetry without rhyme or metre yet he often intermixes a number of short verses of unequal lengths but rhyming together pretty exactly and in some places he has imitated not unsuccessfully the regular octosyllabic measure of his french original george ellis in his specimens of the early english poets originally published in seventeen ninety was we believe the first to introduce laomon to the general reader by giving an extract of considerable length with explanatory annotations from what he described as his very curious work which he added never had been and probably never would be printed subsequently another considerable specimen in every way much more carefully and learnedly edited and accompanied with a literal translation throughout into the modern idiom was presented by mr guest in his history of english rhythms eighteen thirty eight to one thirteen to one twenty three but now the whole work has been edited by sir frederick madden for the society of antiquaries of london in three volumes octavo eighteen forty seven 
this splendid publication besides a literal translation notes and a grammatical glossary contains the brute in two texts separated from each other by an interval apparently of about half a century and whether regarded in reference to the philological to say nothing of the historical value and importance of Leoman's work or to the admirable and altogether satisfactory manner in which the old chronicle is exhibited and illustrated may fairly be characterized as by far the most acceptable present that has been made to the students of early english literature in our day his editor conceives that we may safely assume Leoman's english to be that of north worcestershire the district in which he lived and wrote but this western dialect he contends was also that of the southern part of the island having in fact originated to the south of the thames whence he says it gradually extended itself as far as the courses of the severn the wye the tame and the avon and more or less pervaded the counties of gloucestershire worcestershire herefordshire warwickshire and oxfordshire besides prevailing throughout the channel counties from east to west notwithstanding that several of the counties that have been named and that of worcester especially had belonged especially to the non-saxon kingdom of mercia the language of leoman he further holds belongs to that transition period in which the groundwork of anglo-saxon phraseology and grammar still existed although gradually yielding to the influence of the popular forms of speech we find in it as in the later portion of the saxon chronicle marked indications of a tendency to adopt those terminations and sounds which characterize a language in a state of change and which are apparent also in some other branches of the teutonic tongue as showing the progress made in the course of two centuries in departing from the ancient and pure grammatical forms as found in anglo-saxon manuscripts he mentions the use of a as an article the change of the anglo-saxon terminations a and an into e and n as well as the disregard of inflections and genders the masculine forms given to neuter nouns in the plural the neglect of the feminine terminations of adjectives and pronouns and confusion between the definite and indefinite declensions the introduction of the preposition to before infinitives and occasional use of weak preterites of verbs and participles instead of strong the constant occurrence of n for on in the plurals of verbs and frequent elision of the final e together with the uncertainty in the rule for the government of prepositions in the earlier text one of the most striking peculiarities is what has been termed the nonation defined by sir frederick as consisting of the addition of a final n to certain cases of nouns and adjectives to some tenses of verbs and to several other parts of speech the western dialect of which both texts and especially the earlier exhibit strong marks is further described as perceptible in the termination of the present tense plural in th and infinitives in i i e or y the forms of the plural personal pronouns io hiore hiam the frequent occurrence of the prefix i before past participles the use of v for f and prevalence of the vowel u for i or y in such words as duda hudra hulla pada hura etc but it is added on comparing the two texts carefully together some remarkable variations are apparent in the later which seem to arise not from its having been composed at a more recent period but from the infusion of an anglian or northern element into the dialect 
from these indications the learned editor is disposed to think that the later text may have been composed or transcribed in one of the counties conterminous to the anglian border and he suggests that perhaps we might fix on the eastern side of leicestershire as the locality one thing in the english of Leomond that is eminently deserving of notice with reference to the history of the language is the very small amount of the french or latin element that is found in it the fact itself sir f madden observes of a translation of wace's poem by a priest of one of the midland counties is sufficient evidence how widely the knowledge of the writings of the trouvere was dispersed and it would appear a natural consequence that not only the outward form of the anglo-norman versification but also that many of the terms used in the original would be borrowed this however is but true in a very trifling degree compared with the extent of the work for if we number the words derived from the french even including some that may have come directly from the latin we do not find in the earlier text of leomond's poem so many as fifty several of which were in usage as appears by the saxon chronicle previous to the middle of the twelfth century of this number the later text retains about thirty and adds to them rather more than forty which are not found in the earlier version so that if we reckon ninety words of french origin in both texts containing together more than fifty six thousand eight hundred lines we shall be able to form a tolerably correct estimate how little the english language was really affected by foreign converse even as late as the middle of the thirteenth century leomond's poem extends to nearly thirty two thousand two hundred and fifty lines or more than double the length of wace's brute this may indicate the amount of the additions which the english chronicler has made to his french original that however is only one though the chief of several preceding works to which he professes himself to have been indebted his own account is he nommed the engliskabach the machida st beta another he nommed on latin the machida st alban and the fair austin the fullut brute hider in bachinam the thrida leda there amidden the machida a french's clerk was was hoten the well conth written and he ho yeth dar ethelin eleanor the west henry's quena these herres kingus leomon leda theos bach and the leof wenda he heom leo flicka be he old litha him bio drictin featherin he nom mid fingrin and fieta on bach fella and the sotha word seta to gatherer and the three bach from the to anna that is literally he took the english book that saint bede made another he took in latin that saint alban made and the fair austin that baptism brought hither in the third book he took and laid there in midst that made a french clerk waste was he called that well could write and he it gave to the noble eleanor that was henry's queen the high kings leomond laid before him these books and the leaves turned he them lovingly beheld merciful to him be the lord feather pen he took with fingers and wrote on book skin and the true words set together 
and the three books compressed into one his english book was no doubt the translation into the vernacular tongue commonly attributed to king alfred of bede's ecclesiastical history which Laemon does not seem to have known to have been originally written in latin what he says about his latin book is unintelligible st austin died in a d six o four and the only alban of whom anything is known was alban abbot of st austin's at canterbury who is mentioned by bede as one of the persons to whom he was indebted for assistance in the compilation of his history but he lived more than a century after st austin or augustine some latin chronicle however laemon evidently had and his scholarship therefore extended to an acquaintance with two other tongues in addition to the now obsolete classic form of his own the principal and indeed almost the only passage in laemon's poem from which any inference can be drawn as to the precise time when it was written is one near the end page thirty one nine seventy nine to eighty in which speaking of the tax called rome fioc rome scott or peter pence he seems to express a doubt whether it will much longer continue to be paid dritta wat who longa theo logan scullen iliasta the lord knows how long the law shall last this his learned editor conceives to allude to a resistance which it appears was made to the collection of the tax by king john and the nobility in the year twelve o five and that supposition he further suggests may be held to be fortified by the manner in which queen eleanor who had retired to aquitaine on the accession of john and died abroad at an advanced age in twelve o four is spoken of in the passage quoted above from what we may call the preface written no doubt after the work was finished eleanor the west henry's queen the structure of laemon's poem sir frederick observes consists partly of lines in which the alliterative system of the anglo-saxons is preserved and partly of couplets of unequal length rhyming together many couplets indeed occur which have both of these forms whilst others are often met with which possess neither the latter therefore must have depended wholly on accentuation or have been corrupted in transcription the relative proportion of each of these forms is not to be ascertained without extreme difficulty since the author uses them everywhere intermixed and slides from alliteration to rhyme or from rhyme to alliteration in a manner perfectly arbitrary the alliterative portion however predominates on the whole greatly over the lines rhyming together even including the imperfect or assonant terminations which are very frequent mr guest sir frederick notes has shown by the specimen which he has given with the accents marked in his english rhythms to one fourteen to twenty four that the rhyming couplets of laemon are founded on the models of accentuated anglo-saxon rhythms of four five six or seven accents laemon's poetical merit and also his value as an original authority are rated rather high by his editor his additions to and amplifications of waste we are told consist in the earlier part of the work principally of the speeches placed in the mouths of different personages which are often given with quite a dramatic effect the text of waste it is added is enlarged throughout and in many passages to such an extent particularly after the birth of arthur that one line is dilated into twenty names of persons and localities are constantly supplied and not unfrequently interpolations occur of entirely new matter to the extent of more than an hundred lines 
Laomon often embellishes and improves on his copy, and the meagre narrative of the French poet is heightened by graphic touches and details which give him a just claim to be considered not as a mere translator, but as an original writer. It is a remarkable circumstance, Sir Frederick afterwards remarks, that we find preserved in many passages of Laomon's poem the spirit and style of the earlier Anglo-Saxon writers. No one can read his descriptions of battles and scenes of strife without being reminded of the ode on Ethelstan's victory at Brunenburg. The ancient mythological genders of the sun and moon are still unchanged. The memory of the Witena Gemmet has not yet become extinct, and the neigh of the Hengis still seems to resound in our ears. Very many phrases are purely Anglo-Saxon, and with slight change might have been used in Cadman or Elfric. A foreign scholar and poet, versed both in Anglo-Saxon and Scandinavian literature, has declared that tolerably well-read as he is in the rhyming chronicles of his own country and of others, he has found Laomans beyond comparison the most lofty and animated in its style at every moment reminding the reader of the splendid phraseology of Anglo-Saxon verse. This is the Reverend N. F. S. Grunt Dvig of Copenhagen in a prospectus which he put forth in 1830 containing proposals for publishing Laomans and other ancient English works. We cannot do better than give as our specimen of Laomans' poetry King Arthur's account of his dream, to which both Sir Frederick Madden and Sharon Turner have called attention. The dream of Arthur, as related by himself to his companions in arms, Sir Frederick observes, is the creation of a mind of a higher order than is apparent in the creeping rhymes of more recent chroniclers. It runs thus, Tonight a mine slapa, tonight in my sleep, there ich lay on pure, where I lay in bower chamber. May emmaet a swayen, I dreamt a dream. There you wore ich full sorry em, therefore I full sorry am. Me emet that man me hoff, I dreamt that men raised me, upon our halla, upon a hall. The halla ich gan bestridden, the hall I gan bestride, swalk ich walden ridden, so as I could ride. Alla tha lon the ich ah, all the land that I owned, Alla ich there our saw, all I there over saw, and Walwain sat beorin me, and Walwain sat before me, me sword he bar an hand, my sword he bare in hand, the com modred far and there, then came modred to fair go there, mid una meta uoka with unmeasured unnumbered folk he bar an his hand he bare in his hand an weak strong an axe strong he began to hewena he began to hew hard licker switha hardly exceedingly and the post is for hiao allah and the post thoroughly hewed all the hyolden up the hala that held up the hall there ich isi when hower eke there i saw when hever guinevere the queen eke wimonen 
leofuest may of women loveliest to me all there much a halla roth all the great mickle hall roof mid her honden hayo to draw with her hands she drew down the halla gone to helden the hall gan to tumble and ick hill to grunden and i tumbled to ground that me writ arm to brock that my right arm broke the sida modred hawa that then said modren have that aden eel tha hala adown fell the hall and wawain gone to uala and wawain gan to fall and feel ah there a orth and fell on the earth his arms breaking bina his arms break both and ick i grop me sword leofa and i grasp my dear sword mid mara leoft honda with my left hand on smot of modred is hoft and smote off modred his head that hit wand athena ueld that it rolled wended on the field anda quena ik al and the queen i all cut to pieces snedded mid deor mena sway order with my dear sword and say athen ik heo aden setta and then i her a down set in ana swarta pata in a black pit and all me uak richa and all my rich great people setta to flema set to flight that nasta ik under christa that i wist not under christ war heo becommen wearen where they were become gone butem me see off ik gond astanden but myself i gan stand up in anna walden upon a wold or weald and ik there wandrian agan and i there gan to wander weeda ye on van morin wide over the moors there ik isa grippus there i saw gripes griffins on grislicka fugelis and grisly fowls birds the come on guldena leo then came a golden lion lithen our duna to glide over the down deoran switha henda a beast dear very handsome the ura drichten maka that our lord made the leo may orn foreign too the lion ran forward to me and young may by van middle and took me by the middle on forth hira gun yangan and forth herself gan move on to thara sa wenda and to the sea wind and ik i say they then and i saw the waves i thara sa driuen in the sea drive on the leo ethan ulada and the lion in the flood Iwenda with may see olu went with myself thou wit e sa comen when we in sea came thou then may hira benomen 
the waves from me her took come there on fick litha came there a fish to glide on faridon may to londa and brought me to land thou wes ick all wet then was i all wet and weary of sorian and saoc and weary from sorrow and sick thou gone ick ewakian when i gan to awake swith ick gone to quakian greatly i gan to quake thou gone ick to binian then gan i to tremble swella ick al fur burna as if i all with fire burned an swa ik haba al nit and so i have all night of minna sway and a switha e thought of my dream much thought for ik wat to e wissa for i wot to certainty agone is all me blissa agone is all my bliss for a to mina liu for i to throughout my life sorian ik mat dria sorrow i must endure walla that ik naba hera well away alas that i have not here win hower mina quena win haver my queen twenty eight thousand fourteen to twenty eight thousand ninety three here is evidently a considerable amount of true poetic life in the conception and also as far as the apparent rudeness of the language will admit if we ought not perhaps rather to say as far as the imperfect knowledge of its laws now attainable enables us to form a judgment considerable care and aptness of expression the conclusion of the address in particular is worked up to no contemptible height of artistic elegance as well as pathos let the strange antiquated spelling only be regulated according to the system with which we are all at present familiar and if we will accept such rhymes as night and thought here in queen and also sometimes perhaps consent to be satisfied without rhyme at all in consideration of certain alliterative artifices the beauty of which it must be confessed has now become of somewhat difficult appreciation we shall not find it deficient in harmony any more than in a graceful and expressive simplicity of diction answai i hob all nicked of mina sweven switha he thought for i wot to e wis agone is all my bliss for i to mina liver sorian i mata dria wela that i nob hira wan havera mina queen this will represent pretty nearly the manner in which the lines would probably be read by Layamon and his contemporaries the philological interest and importance of this work of Layamon's are greatly enhanced by the fortunate circumstances of its having come down to us in two texts the one evidently somewhat more recent than the other both have been most judiciously given by sir frederick madden to whom indeed we may be said to be chiefly indebted for the preservation of the latter one the manuscript containing which was so greatly injured by the deplorable fire that was allowed to seize upon the cottonian collection in the early part of the last century as to be regarded as having been rendered almost entirely illegible and useless till he took the reparation of its fragments in hand and had them bound and inlaid after they had been collected and partially restored about the year eighteen twenty seven under the superintendence of the rev j forshaw his predecessor as keeper of the manuscripts in the british museum 
of about twenty seven thousand lines of which the second edition as it may be called is calculated to have consisted for it is slightly condensed from the first not quite two thousand four hundred are supposed to be wholly lost and only about one thousand more are in a partially injured state so that of the thirty two thousand two hundred and fifty lines of which the poem in its more extended form consists we have still between twenty three thousand and twenty four thousand perfect in both editions an amount of material for comparison which leaves us hardly anything to regret in the loss of the three thousand or four thousand that have perished fortunately the earlier edition appears to be complete it is contained in the catonian manuscript caligula a nine the handwriting of which is of the early part of the thirteenth century the other in the manuscript otho c thirteen the handwriting of which is supposed to be of the latter part of the same century the first text may be regarded as giving us probably the west country english of about the year twelve hundred the second that of twelve fifty the later text for the most part follows the earlier line for line though with occasional omissions the differences which it exhibits are confined to the substitution of more modern forms for such vocables constructions and modes of expression as had gone out of use or of fashion since the poem first appeared unfortunately the manuscript has suffered considerably in the part containing arthur's dream but many lines are still entire the first six for instance stand thus to-night in mina betta thar ik lay in bora me imeta a swayen thar fora ik sorry hum me meta dot men me seta upen one hollow and here are the concluding six lines for ik wat all mid iwissa agon his all men blissa for ara to mine lifu sorewe ik mat driha wella dot ik nada her mina iwayana go winifer it ought to be observed that although we have given throughout the u and v exactly as they stand in the printed edition these are really only two ways of writing what was regarded as the same letter and that in both texts sometimes the u is to be sounded like our modern v sometimes the v like our modern u thus swayven was pronounced swayven you are vore upen upen you are a very etc end of section twenty